0: Little brief moment for questions straight after. Uh, the Care and Connect cards are a great way to ask questions as well, and um, I'll be around after the service uh, to chat again. Uh, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? Uh, why are we looking at this? It, maybe this is your first time in our church, and you've heard it opened with wives in the same way submit to your husbands, and you're thinking, Great, I know what kind of church I've come to here. Uh, I want you to know we're working our way through 1 Peter. This is the next reading in the book of 1 Peter. I want us to see what it has to say today, and I want us to do that as well as we possibly can. And I do so at some level with some degree of fear and trembling, because there's a great deal of reasons for people to be cynical about this passage. There really are. Uh, The church, in churches, it has happened that people have used passages like this to abuse others. We've got a history of brokenness in this area. It leads some people to say, hey, isn't the Bible outdated? I mean, come on, none of that could actually be relevant for us today in 2000 and, What is It 19. 2000. It couldn't possibly be relevant. It was written 2,000 years ago. What, what, are we, what are we doing, even having this before us in church? We've also got an attitude where, in a society, we're much more about rights, aren't we? We want to stand up for, we want to hang on to, we want to assert, we want to we bow to no one. And to bow to someone, to offer anything to anyone is to make less of myself. It's actually not good for my mental health. We've also decided as a society that gender is nothing. We're dissolving away the distinctives between male and female. There is no difference. There is only whatever you choose it to be. I say, how can there be a word from God that speaks to men and women in a different way? It doesn't seem to be very relevant to our modern world. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know I'm preaching this passage because it's a next in our series. I do so because I'm convinced that the Word of God is good, and I want to ask this morning that you would join me in a journey to see if we can find what this Word is saying to us today. So I'm going to pray and ask God's mercy and help for us. Heavenly Father, you are good. Your Word is lasting and true. We ask this morning that you might help us in humility to sit under your word and find out what it says for us. ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, I want you to see that in the book of 1 Peter, there are a whole lot of togethers. So this morning, you might be a husband or a wife, or you might be neither. But there's a word for all of us together. We're going to finish with a together word. I'm going to look at husbands and wives. But I want to start by just saying in the book of 1 Peter, there's a whole lot of togethers. Uh, If we see in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. You and I, the early Christians, share a faith that is of greater worth than gold. And so together, men and women are refined through suffering. We're refined together through suffering as through a fiery furnace. We then also see when it comes to sin, we're in sin together. What a wonderful encouragement that is this morning. It's only so because we see in 3.18, Christ suffered for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in body but made alive in the spirit. You and I had a sin problem. And Jesus solved it. And now you and I together are following Jesus. Men and women follow the path of Jesus together. Thirdly, we see that we're called to be something incredibly precious. And Michael preached about this last week. You also, that's collectively the church, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Men and women are called to worship together. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Don't have segregated seating. Congratulations, you're probably sitting next to someone of the opposite. That's great. We're called to this incredible role of offering spiritual sacrifices to God together, men and women. But I want you to see some of the surprises about the time when this text was written. You might not know that in the time that this was written, in the first century in Rome, marriages were very different than they are today. Almost nobody married for love. So what happened was marriage ages were different. They were different because the marriages were, more often than not, arranged marriages. Now some of you might think that would have taken a lot of angst out of my life. No, none of you had trouble dating times, is that right? But but imagine someone says, look, our family should be strategically aligned, I'm going to marry my daughter to your son. Now that doesn't happen in Australia so much, although I've got a friend whose wedding I went to in India for whom that happened. Ravi said to me, hey, I'm getting married soon. And we said, Ravi, fantastic, the only thing you're lacking is a girlfriend or wife. He said, no, don't worry, my parents are onto it. And he disappeared overseas, and he met his future spouse, and they got on okay, and they thought, my parents and, his, and her parents think that's going to be okay, we're going to roll with that. And I went to a wedding in Chennai, and it was fantastic, and there were amazing things happened. But it still happens today. It's not our experience, but it is an experience in the world. And in this time, because they were marrying for strategic alliances, there was a big difference between the ages of men and women, and I'll return to that uh, later in the service. What that meant was... The Christian church was something extraordinary. It had in it, and we've already seen last week, that, Paul, uh, that Peter has written to slaves. And when it says he says, slaves, respect your masters, the, the, the radical thing is that he addresses slaves at all. He says slaves, because he assumes they're in the church. And then he says wives, because he assumes they're in the church. And husbands, well, there'll be husbands in the church, yes, But he speaks to them because they're a diverse, mixed church. That's actually really encouraging. So if we start, I want you to hear well each of the words today. There is a word for wives. There is a word for husbands. And there is a word for everyone. Here's the really important thing. You don't get to pick up the line, say you're a husband on the wife's one, and tell her what to do. It's not a word for you. Husbands, you don't have a wife who tells you you need to because that word is for you. We must be careful not to pick up the word for the other and apply it to them. It's a word for them, it's a word for them, and it's a word for them. Listen carefully to how it's phrased here. So what we're going to see today is how to live in a contested world if you submit to Jesus. Being a Christian in Rome was a hard job because people in the society around you didn't like you. You were starting to upset the world around you because you weren't worshipping the Roman gods. When you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, you weren't worshipping the Roman gods anymore, at least if you're doing it properly. And that was deeply unstable for society. And so they were persecuted, and they were shut out. And this is a word to those who are being persecuted in a society that doesn't love them. Now, in the first century, uh, there's a man called uh, Arius Didymus. Great name, hey? Uh, He was a Stoic philosopher, and he apparently advised Caesar Augustus. Uh, He writes that in the household, there are three kinds of relationships. The relationships between parents and children is like a monarchy, the relationship between husbands and wives is like an aristocracy and the relationship between kids and kids is like a democracy. What he's saying is there's a whole bunch of different power structures in home and parents together against kids, husbands over wives and kids fighting with each other on an equal ground. It was very structured and very hierarchical and I want you to hear the way that, Paul, or that Peter writes uh, to the church church here. Have a look with me. I hope you got your Bibles. We're in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives. Now the surprising thing is we should be amazed that wives are addressed here because what it means is sitting in the congregation are women who don't believe the same thing as their husbands. There were no women who didn't believe the same things as their husbands in the first century. Because our household believes together. The radical freedom of Jesus is to speak to women and say, you can choose Jesus on your own. But what it meant was, it was deeply destabilizing for the household, because now we've got someone who's stepped out from worshipping the household gods. Now we've got someone who, on their own, is trusting Jesus. Do you see this? And he's assuming that they're in church, because they're part of this Christian community. They've been won into a family of God by their own choice. It's actually deeply respectful to address them at all. And then, he says, a distinct Word to wives and a distinct word to husbands. I just want to make the point here God identifies gender. You'll be surprised to know in our modern age, but He does. There are men and there are women and they're different and they're not the same. And so He has a specific word for wives. Now, if we look at these words together, we see that a wife is to submit yourselves to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, They may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Submission is the wife's offering to her husband. It's not something he is involved in. It's her choice to offer herself to her husband. And the primary reason, the goal, is the salvation of non-Christian husbands. See, if you've chosen Jesus, but now you're ruining the house... That won't lead to a great reputation for Christians or a good marriage for you. And so the word is, be submissive to your husband. Honour your husband in the home in order that he won't despise the good news that has come into your life. Purity and reverence is the thing that is supposed to characterise wives here. And I, I want to ask, are purity and reverence characteristics you display or even that we as a society value? They sound so out of date, don't they? Purity and reverence. But here it is. This is to characterise the way that women act towards their husbands to adorn the message of Jesus in their home. Now, the next bit gets exciting, doesn't it, ladies? Because have a look with me at 3.3. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Uh, the point here is actually really simple. There's a deeper beauty. It says here, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold. It doesn't say you can't have elaborate hairstyles or gold jewellery. It really doesn't. But, but guys, you know this. You know this. There are people whose whole beauty is external. And there are people whose beauty flows from out them, and they can be having a bad hair day and be absolutely beautiful. It's an unfading beauty, and so... When whatever you can buy in a bottle fails you, you are still beautiful at whatever age. It's an unfading beauty because it comes from within. And guys, I want to say to you, you know and value this already. And I, I just want to put a picture of my mom up there because I love my mom and I miss her deeply, but she was beautiful because of who she was in Jesus. Beautiful. And you can be, and women here are, And it is much deeper and much more precious than whatever you do with your hair. But do it up. Enjoy whatever you want. Come however you want. I'm not... There there isn't a word here to not do that. But don't let that be all that beautifies you. And then we see in uh, in verse 4, it says, Rather, it should be that of the inner self the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. And so we hear these words gentle and quiet and I think the first response, and I, we had a discussion this week with, uh, with, um, with someone and they said, right, so no boisterous women. Is that what you're telling me? Everybody has to have gentle and quiet spirits so you can't have an extroverted personality. Is that what it means? That's not what it means. It's, it's interesting to note that Jesus himself is, to, is said to be gentle, that Paul says that he will be gentle when he comes, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is gentleness, and that men are told to be gentle in 1 Timothy. It, it's not a particular imposition on women. Quietness, we're supposed to all live quiet lives. It does say in Timothy that women are to learn in quietness. The, I think the idea is to hear what's being said. And again, it says in Thessalonians that we together are to live quiet lives. So I want to say this morning it is not about personality, but humble spiritual posture. And you can do that as a vivacious, outgoing person, because it's about the status and desire of your heart. God says this is of great worth in his sight. How much of it is in ours? How much do we value these things? Now, I looked it up. These are apparently the women that we respect in 2018. This is what I was told. Uh, You can probably recognize some of them. Uh, There are some extraordinary women there and probably some women who have uh, other claims to fame, perhaps. Um, But it's interesting here in this passage, we are told not to look to that list, but to somebody else as our example. Have a look with me at verses five to six. For in this way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called, her, and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. It's interesting. We're told that we're to be like Sarah. Now, Sarah obeyed Abraham. What, what she did was, you can look it up in, uh, in Genesis 12, she did what he asked him to do. And I think he was a terrible husband in this instance, but she obeyed. It's also told, God tells, her in Genesis, God tells Abraham in Genesis 21, listen to your wife, so that's worth observing. And she is commended in Hebrews 11 as a woman of faith in her own right. Sarah offered her imperfect husband this gift. You're her daughters if you do the same. But it said fear at the end, and I want you to see that it's not about marriage. Uh, Jesus says, when he's talking about the end of days, he says, uh, when you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen, but the end will uh, will not come right away. Uh, Again, it says, but even if you should suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. When it says, you are a daughters if you do not give way to fear... I believe it's talking about waiting for Jesus without fear rather than being afraid in your marriages. I don't think there's any place for fear in marriages. And I'll tell you why as I get to husbands. Husbands are addressed in 3 uh, 7. The Roman world, there was a thing called the pater familias. Uh, and I've got down there a massive elephant, elephant seal. Um, they, they're basically the dominant space. In their home. They they were over everybody. The the oldest male in the household was over everybody. He was in charge of everyone. He was the one who dominated. And I want you to see that the Word of God speaks against that society and says something radically different. It says, in the same way, in in the same way as what? Well, if we look back up in 1 Peter, we see in verses 16 and 17, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor, in the same way husbands, that's how they're supposed to be, with respect and honour and love and fear. So what does he say to them? He tells them to be considerate. And there's, there's another way, of another translation which says, live according to knowledge with your wife. You're supposed to know her well. You're supposed to treat her well because you know her well. And so I want to ask husbands who are here today has knowing her led you to loving her better? Do you know how she takes her tea or coffee? Has it enabled you to serve her better because you know her? Are you making and not just taking love together? Are you drawing out her gifts because you know and treasure them? Are you living considerately with your wife? Secondly, he says to treat them with respect. Now, I don't know if you know this scene from Ferris Bueller's Stay Off. Uh, they have a car there, beautiful car, and he says, my father loves this more than wife. life. He, life he, tri- he, he wipes it with a diaper. Guys, I want you to know that men know how to treasure things. Maybe stupid things, but they do know. They do. They know how to treasure and treat with respect. And here's what Peter says, that you are to treat with respect. You are to honour your wife. Does honouring mean you speak well of her? When you speak to somebody else, now this is the thing, I I, I can't stand the way I hear some men, not in this church, but I hear some men speak of their wives, is innately and immediately derogatory, all the time. And I won't even repeat them here, but you know the kinds of address that people use when they speak about their wives. Men, don't you? Do you speak well of her? Do you speak well to her? It can't mean less than that. If I'm honoring, if I'm treasuring, if I'm respecting, I must speak well to her. Do you use words that build her up because you love her? And do you apologize for words that put her down? In this broken and fallen world when you mess that up, men, do you own that and do you apologize? What about this for something? As the weaker partner. I mean, here's the torpedo to all our credibility in this reading, isn't it? What? Come on, you, you know that that got you, didn't it? Okay, so what's going on? Why does he say treat her with respect as the weaker partner? Well, what if I told you that the average age of marriages for women was 15 and the average age for men was 25? I want to suggest to you that this is not about any sort of inferiority at all. It's merely a reflection of the physical reality of the world that they lived in at the time. Treat it with respect as the weaker partner. And guys, I want to say to you, do you use your physicality to impose your will? It's despicable. Despicable. Abuse of any kind, physical, verbal, financial, spiritual, is absolutely out of place in Christian marriages. And men, I'm looking to you. Your wife may even be able to arm wrestle you. But that does not mean that you don't or could not use your physicality back. And I want to say to you, it has no place in Christian marriages at all. None. Why? I'll tell you the why. The why is found in the next thing. It says here that they are heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. How could you? How could you? There is a fundamental equality of worth in the Christian message here. A fundamental. It's at odds with Stoicism. It's at odds with the the first century Roman world. It says that she is a co-heir with you of the gift of life in Jesus. And so I want to ask you, do you treat her as a co-heir, one for whom Jesus died? And do you therefore encourage her in her faith? Do you let her encourage you in your faith because she has as much to share with you as you do with her? Will you treat her with respect as a co-heir? Why would you do all of that? that nothing would hinder your prayers. Men, that nothing would hinder your prayers. And so I want to ask you, it assumes, doesn't it? If it assumes that your prayers can be hindered by bad behavior, it assumes that you must be praying, doesn't it? So do you pray with her? Do you pray together? Your praying could be hindered by two things. It could be hindered by your relationship. Here's what I find. You can't pray angry together. If you don't know this already, you don't pray. I can't pray when I'm upset with my wife. I have to say I'm sorry. We have to be right in order to pray. What will hinder my, my, my prayer life if I'm not right with my wife? But secondly, guys, and this I want you to get, God may hinder your prayer life if you get this wrong. It says in 3.12, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What we are told here, you see what's at stake? What we're told here is that God won't hear you if you don't treat your wife right. Wow. Here is a word to Everyone. Some of you here aren't husbands or wives at the time. Either you're single, you've been widowed, you're a widower. There is a word for everyone. I want you to hear it in verses 8 to 11. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. All of us are called to live like this. But if you just took those verses and applied it to your marriage, it would rule everything else out, wouldn't it? All this abuse, it would have to be ruled out by that. And everyone is involved in living that way. Submission to Jesus will change our relationships because as holy priests, we'll live differently. There's a second everyone. All of us must be prepared. Have a look. But in your hearts, verse 15, set apart Christ as Lord Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope you have. We are all supposed to be ready, all supposed to be prepared at a moment's notice to give an answer for the hope that we have. Always be prepared. All of us, it says in verses 19 to 21, are supposed to follow Jesus who was crucified, who descended to the dead and is now reigning in heaven. You are called to engage with a world with suffering together as people who are following the One who is One. The One who is One. I want you to see the biblical submission is offering a self-sacrifice. It always costs us something by recognizing by recognizing God ordained distinctives, and so there is something for everyone. All of us offer submission by lifting up Jesus. The wife offers submission by lifting up her husband. The husband offers honour by lifting up his wife. In each case, it's an act of worship to do this. So, what do we do? It's impossible to sit here and say, I'm never going to submit to anyone. That would be wrong. It is possible that you need to repent over your past failings. It is necessary that we submit to Jesus in all our relationships. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this word. It's holy and righteous and it challenges us. Help us to worship you by living in ways that please you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. There may or may not be questions. You may or may not want to ask them. You may want to quietly write down on your care and connect card something that you'd like me to follow up. I can do that. If there is a question that someone would like to ask now, I'd be happy to do that, because often you'll have a question that somebody else will have as well. Has someone got a question they'd like to ask? Happy to. Wait, I wanted to make sure there was space in the service for that. The other thing to say, uh, my wife is a reflector. She needs to reflect on it before she comes back. I'm really happy to process in the moment. This is a good moment, isn't it? Uh, And so some of you will be sitting there going, what did I just hear? I'll have a question for you next week. That'll be fine. Take your time. Reflect on it. I'm really happy to engage. I want you to know that I am up for the discussion and that I do offer this. Oh, Glenn, you've got a question. Fantastic. Bless you, brother. Um, do you want to... Yeah, uh, yeah. If we use the mic, mate, it just means that we can hear it on the thing. What do you got, Glenn? Uh, you mentioned the um, point about Sarah and Abraham, um, I, which was a, on Abraham's fault, I guess. Um, how, do, how do women feel comfortable in submitting to a sinful husband, yep. or where, where can they feel comfortable in rejecting? Yeah. I, I think this comes down to the same line as we'd use with, um, with government. We spoke the other day about government, and we said, what does God want us to do? Submit to ruling authorities. Are there imperfect ruling authorities? Yep. Do they ask us to do things that uh, can contravene God's law? Yep. In which case, what do we do? We choose to honour Christ first and not submit to the ordained authority because his standard is higher than the standard of the ordained authority. If if a wife was to find herself in a situation like this, heaven forbid, I'd suggest to her her first allegiance is to God and her second is to her husband. Uh, And so any situation that would find her uh, compromised, um, I think she is absolutely free uh, from biblical principle to say, I'm choosing to honour my Lord here. How she would express that would be with care and respect rather than throwing it in the face of the person to who's asked that something. But I would think that there's absolutely no grounds for things that either make you feel unsafe or insecure or that contravene the word of God. Yeah. So I actually think in this instance, if you've read Genesis, um, I would have been much more happy with Sarah pushing back and saying she wouldn't have done that, Mm. just so we're clear. Yeah. Because I think Abraham is utterly unworthy of her. At that point, and uh, I don't think he's a good husband. Sure. Right? yeah. Thanks, mate. Yep, yeah, Ben. For the recording. For the recording. That's right, Luke. Thank you. Paul is writing to the Gentiles. Ah, uh, Peter. Yep. Pete, Peter. It's mm-hmm. a mix. It's a mixed start. congregation. So. Okay. So he's assuming then that they know about Sarah and Abraham. Yes, so I, I, there, there will be, Jew, so there's a Jewish population in Rome, there's a Gentile population, obviously, in Rome, that's the default. Um, when he says, like Sarah, I, I anticipate there must be some knowledge of her, and everyone else will go diving into their Bibles to find out, no, don't, they don't have Bibles. But be, that, the, the next outcome is to go, sorry, tell me this story about Sarah, because I, I would think some people do. And some people don't. Uh, she is the head of the family with Abraham of mm. all the Jews. Yeah. So there's a good chance you'd have heard of Sarah. Okay. Okay, yeah. But it's a good point. And, and I think it's the same for us, Bernie, which is, as it says, be like Sarah. We go, sorry, what was Sarah like? And, uh, and I think that's worth doing. Is there one more? Okay. Oh, yep, up the back. And I'll take one more and then uh, we'll do our care and connect cards. Thanks, Andy. I'm um, Just thinking about the thing you said about men praying with their wives Yeah. Um, and the things that get in the way, um, do you have any... Sometimes if you haven't done it well, um, you need some structure. Do you have anything you can recommend to kind of start the process? Yeah. I think that's an extremely helpful conversation to have, Andy, and um, we can chat some more. But in general, I think I'd say uh, it's like your resolution to, uh, to run a marathon this year. Don't start off with 40Ks as your goal. If you spend a three-sentence prayer with your wife before you go to bed, you are miles ahead of where you were before you started. And I'd say it's just like loving each other together. Grow into it. Now, that's not super helpful, Andy, but I'd say to you, aim low and get started rather than have some extraordinary ideal and never do anything. I think it's a competency you can grow in in relationship rather than it's an extraordinary thing that needs to happen fully formed. Does that make sense? And so my, my thing within my family is uh, we pray before we walk out the door in the morning. We just don't walk out the door until we've prayed. So that's all we do. And it's not always world-changing. In fact, it's very rarely world-changing. But it changes our world because we do it regularly. So I just want to encourage you, put your arms around your wife Pray for her day. Let her pray for yours. Say amen and get on your way. Because it's incredibly beautiful when you hear the one you love pray for you. Really. It's glorious. So get into it. It's good. There'll be lots more. Uh, I'd love to give you an opportunity uh, to... Oh, that was my um, submission. That's funny, but we'll do that later. Um, I'd love to encourage you to take out your Care and Connect cards. Uh, They look like this. If you're new amongst us, there'll be people who are wearing a badge like this. We would love to help you get started here at New Life, assuming you want to continue after the sermon today. Um, If you would like to be in a life group, you can let us know via your caring Connect card. You might like to sign up for our community news, uh, or you might like to just say, this week, this is happening in my life. Could you pray for me? Our staff team meets together on a Monday. We pray together. We also have a pastoral care team who will also pray there's two letter boxes up the back now. One of them says staff only. If you want to get it just to me and the staff, put it in that one. One says staff and pastoral care. They'll pray as well if you put it in that letter box. Give me a chance to fill those in before we finish with our final song. And just to show that I'm serious about filling them in, I'm going to fill one in and then we'll, we'll do the next thing.